Welcome back to Humans of Purpose, the weekly podcast featuring conversations with local purpose-driven leaders, leaders creating social impact through their work and fostering in a new era of social progress. We want you to listen, connect, and grow with us. Learn more at humansofpurpose.com. Well, if, if I get a challenge thrown at me, I generally try and do it. And I feel really guilty if I don't. So I, I think, you know, um, you always learn from your mistakes and I do a lot of them. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I look, and, you know, and that's in dance and business and everything. So take on challenges, um, even if they scare the shit out of you. <laughs> Those are the wise words of Jacinda Richards, founder and CEO of L2R Dance. A short bit of housekeeping and we'll get right back to Jacinda. My gratitude as always goes out to our listeners who have opted to actively support the podcast by becoming Patreon supporters. So thank you to our Patreon supporter family, including Rich, Tanvir, Lucia, Judy, Jules, Sally, McCartan, Stuart, Joel, Misha Times 2, Bonnie, Olivia, Lyndon, Joe, B, and Will. Our Patreon family helped me to shape the direction of the podcast through their advice, ideas, guest referrals, and ongoing feedback. If you want to support the growth of Humans of Purpose, I encourage you to also join our Patreon community. By supporting me to make Humans of Purpose, you're supporting independent and local content production in the form of conversations about the things that matter most. To support us, just hit the link in our show notes or head to patreon.com slash humansofpurpose. As mentioned, today I'm excited to be talking to Jacinda Richards, founder and CEO of L2R Dance. I first heard Jacinda speak at our Williamson Leadership Program graduation and was uh, blown away by her presence, authenticity, and ability to action meaningful social change through her passion, dance. As you'll learn, I know almost nothing about dance, but loved exploring Jacinda's journey, world, and work. I hope you enjoy our conversation as much as I did. Welcome, Jacinda. So good to have you here. Thank you. Thanks for making your way across the uh, bridge, a perilous afternoon journey. Yep, all the way across the Westgate. Thank you. <laughs> you said you don't like to do this too often unless it's for something important, so I feel quite special. Oh, thank you. I'm a, I'm a, I am a fan. I, I will say I did vote for you in the uh-huh. Impact Awards, so oh my God. good luck. I'm blushing. If, I, if this airs after it's gone and I didn't win, I'll feel a bit like blushing in the wrong way, but thank you very much. You I, I cut me out. <laughs> we'll just cut out the intro a bit altogether. Anyway, enough about me. I love that you've come on. Um, I saw saw you speak at a Williamson dinner event a little while ago and then mm-hmm. Harriet said, oh, you know, uh, I'm on her board. She's terrific. You've got to get her on the show. So that was my very brief introduction to you and um, L2, L2 Dance, L2R Dance. That's it, yeah. Um, but I would love to hear your sort of journey story before we get into that and um, just a bit about how you came to be in the place that you are now. Yeah, cool. Um, so I guess I'll take you back to high school. <laughs> um yeah, so I grew up in the country in a place called St Andrews, um, not the beach St Andrews, the country the St golf Andrews. Course? Yeah, no, <laughs> not the not the fancy one, the other one, uh, the country St Andrews. Um, you know, really great, loving family out there, and went to um, a school that probably wasn't so great, um, and it was an old tech school, and um, I guess myself, I was thriving. Um, socially but academically maybe uh (laughs) challenged um and so I think um 
for me, um, yeah, I, d- I really didn't sit well with the stereotypical sort of academic um, system that I was in and so I found it really hard to get through school. Um, and what were the main challenges for you? Sitting still. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pretty up and about kind of kid. Yeah. And, um, you know, just not into maths and English and literature at that point of, of my life. Um, I've slightly changed a little bit now. Um, and so, um, you know, f- for me, VC, I got my VCE, um, VC, yep, VCE uh, certificate or whatever it was back then. Um, but that was really thanks to a, um, a teacher um, who took me under her wing and allowed me to um, pursue uh, dance in year nine, year 10, 11. And by year 12, I was sort of teaching a lot of the cohort and um, sort of taking on a leadership role in that space. Um, so that I was really thankful um, for her, not necessarily at the time, but now that mm. I that I look back. Um, and um, yeah, I think that really set some, some stones um, for where I am now. Um, and then I, I, I've had a pretty, sometimes I think it's like being on safari in Africa. It was pretty bumpy and terrible cars and <laughs> hot and sweaty and some really good people. So I was just some, trying to think, is that like a metaphor? So was it like a bumpy road or like were my, the cars actually bad or were the roads bad? My journey's been very bumpy and very yep. ad hoc and very um, um, spontaneous. Yeah. Um, and I have done a safari before, so I feel like so I can So a safari put... actually happened in the, in the safari metaphor it did. as well. It did. Cool. Actually spent, um, I went, um, I wanted to be a contemporary dancer. I, um, you know, somewhere along the journey, I went to Deakin Uni, um, did a Bachelor of Arts there, and then was really pursuing a um, career as a co- contemporary dancer. And I was doing uh, workshops at uh, Chunky Move and injured my back, and that was a pretty big bump in the road mm. um, and was told that, yeah, dance isn't for you, find something else to do. And I was like, what do you mean? It's you know? a bit sh- shattering. It was awful. And I think the, the surgeon that I'd seen was pretty brutal and probably didn't understand what he was saying to a 24-year-old woman. He was um, just like, um, stop dancing. You yeah. Stop dancing. Yeah. And so I did. I went on safari and I actually did dance on that safari, but in a very different capacity. Um, and so, I, yeah, I took a lot of time off um, to sort of reevaluate on what I was doing and where this bumpy road and safari was going. Um, and I actually went to Africa a few times and joined um, uh, Asante Dance Theatre um, in Australia, but trained with them in Ghana. Um, yeah, so it's been, it's, it's been a wild ride. I feel like I've gone on a bit of a tangent here. but um, no, it's, it's a good tangent. Um, uh, something that just keeps popping up to me, and maybe this is a down-the-track question, but I feel mm. like now's a good time to broach it, is sort of what has dance been to you? Um, uh, I guess, you know, a bit of a vehicle to, uh, to navigate life, you know, get through life, challenges, opportunities, um, meet new people. Um, take on challenges. Like I'm, a, you know, you said to me, "Come onto this show," and I was like, <laughs> "Like a, this is not usually my comfortable zone." But um, you know, dance has allowed me to navigate some of these places and spaces and and rise up to the challenges. Just like the LV um, Williamson's um, talk that I did, I was shaking in my boots. I would have much preferred to be dancing, but yeah. you know, dance has opened up different doorways for me and. Um, I think that's really exciting. An interesting thing about your approach is I, I think you wear a bit of that 
on your sleeves and you're not ashamed to admit it. So <laughs> when you're on the LV stage, you, you're kind of like, oh, I'm shitting myself a little bit. And people loved it because it was it was very raw and it was very, um, you know, people people hate professional speakers. If you're a professional speaker, I mean, yeah. come on, like everyone can speak. Yeah. But yeah. the way you got up there and just were a real – you know, you're you and you've got yeah. so much kind of presence about, you know, you're engaging with your feelings about being there, you're um, opening up about the anxiety, but then mm. you also got through it and you gave mm. a really good talk and I think that was kind of fun. It was a fun safari to be yeah. on with you as well. Yeah. Look, I think people love honesty and people love being um, able to tap into your emotions, you know, whether it's dance or public speaking. But if there's always a bit of a wall and a glassy eye, it's, you know, it's not it's not evoking or inviting for anyone to... To, to come in, and I think honesty has definitely been a huge part of my journey. Maybe did you get to, too um, much. <laughs> did you stay the whole night, or were you just sort of left? Um, I did. I I stayed after the um. I left just after the keynote. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yep. How'd you like the keynote? Um, it was very long, and I've not, never heard not anyone, my favorite. <laughs> um, what I thought was funny about the keynote: never heard of anyone finishing, wrapping up a really long speech with here are the eight takeaways that you should remember from my talk yeah. and then going through every single one of them. <laughs> At the end of it, I was like, can I go now? Well, I just kind of thought he took away from the the event, yeah. of the, pur- the purpose of the event. Yeah, you probably was... got a bit lost in the, the, the purpose of the talk maybe. Yeah. Yep. His safari was a long winding safari, which uh, had an <laughs> undetermined uh, time and uh, scope. But anyway, yeah. an interesting safari nonetheless. <laughs> Yeah. But dance, I mean, dance for you, to me, sort of sounds like it was very much a, um, a vehicle for maturity and also for like learning about yourself and mm. how to focus and sort of, you know, lead yourself through a, a difficult time too. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I don't know if my life has been too difficult as such. I mean, I've grown up in a really good family and really loving and, um, you know, quite a privileged um, family, I guess, but it's it's allowed me to negotiate um, some maybe personal challenges mm. and, and and where I sit academically and in in the world. I guess it's maybe allowed me to see where I sit and where my space is. And I think then I guess that ties into what I'm doing, right? Like how does yep. dance or hip hop culture specifically, um, which is what Eltoa does, is hip hop culture, um, hip hop dance. We should probably cover that. How, yeah, how do, I mean, how how does that help a young person, specifically from a newly arrived migrant refugee or at risk background, um, discover and learn and and open doorways? So I think you know that's um, that's been a big part of the journey, but also about um, removing verbal language, you know, and how can we communicate and transcend barriers through dance? And um, you know, I, I spent a bit of time, well, a lot of time, but. A good solid week in um, Korea with a with a Korean family didn't speak any English and cool. I didn't speak any Korean yeah. and I was like, this is really amazing but very challenging and that also really carved a lot of what Altua does. So yeah, Korea is super interesting. I was there on holiday uh, a couple of years ago for a week. Mm. Um, obviously, not speaking much Korean and <laughs> then not speaking much English. But um, I did manage to meet uh, a random person at a juice bar who was the server there. Wow. And uh, he, they're such nice people. He he said, what are you doing tonight? I said, oh, I'm here 
by myself, nothing. He took me out on uh, like for dinner to a traditional Korean restaurant. He took me to like a, a bar, and then we went to like um, a Korean games studio, awesome. where, like you know yeah. one of those PC things. And it was a really like just a special experience of you know wow this is Korea and Korean hospitality. Yeah, they're very very generous people, yeah. and, and and I just love Korean barbecue in yeah. Korea. It is next level, and yeah. the bulgogi bulgogi yeah. oh wow amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's delicious. <laughs> I'm really happy we had that tangent. Actually, yeah. good, good memories. Annyeonghaseyo. <laughs> <laughs> Take it back. Amazing. It's so good. Mm. So what I mean, dance in terms of expression, like does dance allow us to say things? that maybe we can't communicate as well with words or we don't communicate as well? Yeah, I think I think so, absolutely. And, you know, I mean, especially when we're talking about our emotions, um, you know, it allows us to tap into those deep intimate emotions that sometimes, well, I think a lot of us have trouble verbally expressing. So if we can do it through movement and freedom of movement and like embracing the body, then I think that's pretty special. And I think everyone should do it a bit more, <laughs> even myself. Yeah. What did you pick up um, about the, the struggles of migrants and sort of the, um, the groups that you work with that sort of suggested to you that this is what they needed and this was like part of the solution? Um. Well, just the frustration of not being able to communicate first and foremost, yep. I think, and how many challenge so many challenges that poses to someone being able to learn and be social and access, you know, their their new life in Australia. Um, so I've I witnessed dance sort of breaking down some of those barriers, especially um, socially and that social connection. And then once someone has a social connection, how that connects them to community and, and, and broader life opportunities. Yep. Um, and, you know, I mean, people, young people, children and young people access L2F for all different reasons. And, you know, it could be because they want to perform. It could be because they know that we have free bananas every week. It could be because they've, they've met mates. And so, look, I think there's a lot of different reasons why people access dance. And, and sometimes dance is something that they access for a couple of months it's something that they access for 20 years or for their whole life. I think dance is a really great tool that you can pick up and put down and and um, always be learning. It doesn't matter where you're on in your dance journey. There's always something you can learn and take from dance. And what do you typically see as kind of um, changes or outcomes in your in, um, the participants in your classes once they've come for a little while? Do they kind of present differently? Do they have a different swagger? Oh, absolutely! So much more street cred. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, when you when you're in a new new place like Australia, and you you, you know, you're not in don't understand Australian life lifestyle and culture much, you know, and then you start to meet people, and you 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 know, you build confidence. You know, a sense of belonging is obviously a really big one. Um, and I, you know, I did my honours at Deakin, and the biggest thing that the young people at that time said that they. Um, gained or learnt or wanted to do was to share. So they had something that they felt proud of and they could connect with and then they wanted to share it, whether it was with community at a performance or with friends and family or, you know, at their just to themselves in the bedroom and share that experience. But, yeah, sharing was a really big part um, and still is of L2R and how we can use what, what 
we think is cool and then share and connect with the broader community. Yeah, I like the two things that I think are really interesting about the model. There's one is the universality of dance. So mm. every culture will have some kind of dance, mm. just mm. like they do a language. Yep. Um, and the other thing would just be um, how you've tapped into kind of like that urban hip-hop cool and like that's very prevalent across many cultures at the moment. Yeah, it's, a, it's amazing how um, – well, you know, the first point, I think, um, you know, all cultures have dance, but the one thing that we do have in common is the human body. You know, it comes in all different ways and shapes and, and abilities and all that sort of stuff, but we do all have a human body um, and, and so dance allows it's us. In- inherently accessible. Yeah, 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 and you don't need to be in a studio, you know, and, and then that brings us to hip-hop culture because hip-hop culture is, you know, was was from the streets, so... Um, it embraces and a really accessible part of dance. And um, although, you know, a lot of people might have fresh kicks when they're doing it, you don't need them essentially, you know, to do hip-hop dance. And hip-hop, hip-hop culture is global. It's a global youth culture. Big in Korea as well, right? It's big everywhere. Yeah. Like it's, it's huge in Korea. Yeah. They are absolute weapons they're and really Japan. Good. Yeah. Yeah. So I was over there um, doing some work in Busan um, at the university there with a mentor and, and, you know, they started classes at like 10.30 at night. Yeah, we could say pretty high work ethic in Korea. Yeah, like I was blown away and they would dance, 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 dance. Um, but, the yeah, it's sort of going back to the hip-hop is that um, – Oh, I've lost where I was going now. Anyway. Um, just, talking about, just talking about how hip-hop culture. Bouncing cat. Bouncing cat. <laughs> just talking about how hip-hop culture is sort of prevalent across the cultures and it's sort of – we picking up uh, yes. Yeah. No, I know, I know where I was at. Thanks, mm, Mike. Um, you know, yeah, so some of the kids that we work with have obviously been born in refugee camps and, and, and spent a majority of their life in a refugee camp and then they come to Australia and they know all about hip-hop or, you know, they know – Chris Brown or, you know, the new R&B artist. And it just blows me away how people know about hip-hop. And it's, yeah, I think L2R would be a very different organisation if we weren't using hip-hop culture, like if we did ballet, for example. But, um, yeah, you know. I think that urban culture is just, um, it's fascinating. And, like, you know, even I think about my work at um, Task Force where we're working with young people who are um, from all kinds of disadvantaged backgrounds and mm. you know, art therapy programs and whatnot. And um, it's all about graffiti and street art. It's all yeah. about wanting to do cool graphs and, you know, like to do pretty amazing images. But the style is so kind of um, urban and interesting. Mm. And, you, will, and you, can, you can use the four elements of hip-hop in whatever place and space you are and, and, and take from your environment, yeah. which Hold I think up. is cool. What are the four elements of hip-hop? Rapping, DJing, b-boying and MC. What's b-boying? Beatboxing? Oh, so, so, um, so breakdancing is um, the original um, form of, of, of dance. Yep. Um, and be- Sorry, I should say b-boying and b-girling. Because uh, a B-boy is... A breakdancing yeah. boy? Yes, uh, cool, and a cool. B-girl is someone who identifies as female. Cool. You know, and then breakdance is hard the... with the language <laughs> these days to get it right. <laughs> yeah. um, and then breakdancing is sort of like what they do, but they are B-boys yeah. or B-girls. Um, yeah, and then there's all the other um, uh, styles of um, street dance that come off that. So, And yeah. I think there's like lots of associated benefits with this stuff as well, like fitness and sort of social cohesion and sense of belonging. Yeah, there's so many off offshoots yeah. of, and, and, and benefits of that, which is definitely not something I uh, thought about when, you know, creating um, 
you know, Altoir, for me it was really creating Altoir was just a, um, addressing a need that I'd identified in the community and that was to provide free dance classes that were accessible for young people from a refugee background. So let's talk about how you were enabled to do that, so the story of how that came to be because I think that's quite interesting as well. Yeah. So I've worked for a very long time at this ACE school called Western English Language School, uh, which is uh, there's all different campuses, but I m- mainly work at Tottenham, which is kind of the, the mother of, of, of Wells. Um, and I've worked there now for oh, a long time, I think coming up to 12 years, but I just started as the dance teacher there um, running after school classes and um, in school classes. So Wells is really amazing in the fact that it's um, part of the curriculum on a Friday that the classes rotate and each class does at least one or two classes of hip-hop per term, which huh, I just think is amazing. so rad. Yeah. That should definitely be in everyone's curricul- curriculum. It's so good, yeah. I, you know, shout out to Yolette, um, the principal over there. She's really incredible. Um, and that's I been happening. Yeah, it's been happening for about 12 years. And um, I then um, – there, there was an opportunity for me to step in sort of like a community development role. Um, which I've been in for about four or five years there, just working one day, creating free after-school recreational activities, not just dance but um, girls' programs, boys' programs, swimming and sort of all things that help young people um, understand Australian lifestyle and culture and settle and, you know, feel like they belong um, and, you know, sense of community. And, um, you know, so I was running um, dance after school and I should say that um, Western English Language School is for, for newly arrived migrant refugee kids, children and young people, and um, they only stay for a certain amount of time depending on what's going on for them um, in their life. So usually it's probably uh, two terms to a year and then they exit into mainstream schoolings around the, around the West. Um, and so what was happening is the kids were then exiting into mainstream schooling and and contacting me saying, you know, oh, hey, miss, like we want to come dancing. And I was like, oh, I think I was probably paying for one or two kids to access a dance school at that point. And And then I realised that what I was doing was really bad community practice because I was doing these free after-school classes on-site at Wells and then they were entering mainstream. So I was giving them these tools and then they were entering mainstream and um, that was kind of it. It was like, okay, sorry, your hip-hop dance ends now because they couldn't afford to access um, a, a, a commercial dance school where, you know, it might be $15 a, a week or a, a session. So I thought, oh, I said to my mentor, Kate, over there, I said, oh, hey, you know, I'll just I'll just give it a crack. I'll just start up a little class, like a volunteer sort of thing. And I think instantly there was like 15 kids and I was like, okay, that was good. And so that kind of chuffed on for a couple of years and I realised it was not sustainable what I was doing. So, um, hello, Dougie. Um yeah, I then had to sort of work out whether, um, you know, what what was – it wasn't Altoir back then either, you know. It was just a just a little community group. So then I thought, oh, well, I'll, um, I'll either have to fold what I'm doing because it's it's gone beyond me just yeah. being able to volunteer one hour a did week. Did you burn out or how did you sort of – was it just a bit hard to maintain? Yeah, I, well, yeah, I mean I was doing it all voluntary. There was lots of kids coming. I think it was up to two classes a week. I was kind of providing food and – you know, it was just becoming its own thing. Yep. I didn't know what it was at that point. Um, yep. And so, and also I did get a little bit of funding. Um, and this was around the time where, 
everything really started to get strict in terms of um, people not really wanting to give unless you had DGR and TCC, which yeah, I right. didn't have. And yeah. I knew that uh, sort of a mentor, Stephanie Exton, to me, um, you know, we had a lot of conversations about what, what, it, what it was and I just said, well, I think it's either got to sort of fold or, you know, become its own thing. Um, and so we put in the application for DGR and, and got it and I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> Awesome. Here we go. Yeah. Let's get aboard. It's on. <laughs> yeah. And so that was in 2015 and it's been um it's, it's been a whirlwind. That's yeah. not long ago at all. No. Yeah. No, it's you know and it, it really was just a, a, a dance class back then. Did you have to figure out how to do stuff like governance and business and like tax and all that? Was that pretty immediate? I was just a dancer running a free dance <laughs> class. And, and, yeah, so I think, you know, that's been a huge part of my journey and I was actually just saying to some of my artists or the crew today, I was like, I feel like I have this like creative mind but now I'm you know, I'm the CEO of El Tuara and I've got this business mind and I'm like, <laughs> do I want to go to dance class or do I want to go to my leadership course? Or what do I want <laughs> strategy or dance? <laughs> so, yeah, I'm in this interesting point in my life where um, I'm definitely getting pulled more to that, you know, strategy and business. But, yeah, it's... Is it fun to have a crew or to say that you've got a crew? Yeah. I'd like to be able to say that. Oh, they're, they're all my mates yeah. as well, you know. I'm yeah. really lucky to have such a cool team with El Tuara and I've had the privilege of being able to... to, to um, essentially choose who, who I want to be part of the Altoir fam, which has been so cool. You know, not everyone gets to go, oh, they're cool, let's let's work together, yeah. <laughs> you know. So, yeah. so how do you do it now then? Are you basically fully <laughs> fledged and can just try and run as many, is the idea to run as many um, programs at as many sites as possible and reach as many people? Is that kind of mission or? Um, that was my mission yep. and then I got a board and yep. they said, <laughs> Oh no, you got to rein that you in. a strategic plan. Because <laughs> I'm one of those people that sees a, a an issue or sees a need and and's like, let's give free dance classes, you know. So if that was me, I'd be teaching all over Australia, all over Melbourne. I'd be running around like a maniac. But <laughs> um, so basically, at the moment, we have free five free weekly hip hop dance programs. They're all based in the West at the moment, um, and we have a arts leadership course um, for young people who are you know wanting to sort of learn and and foster their skills in in a another level um in the arts and that's called the igniting legends program um and and then we have our fee for service so performing at events and festivals across melbourne so so you yeah. got a nice mix there so fee for service donations and actual do you charge for programs or they're all free no they're all free oh wow yeah so that's i think exciting. that's that's a big part well the breaking it program is like the breaking it braybrook program it has a two dollar if they want food, so yeah. but yeah, essentially you've got to cover the cost of those bananas and that's not from me. Prices. That's 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 with a partner <laughs> partnership. It's with a council, okay. and but anyway, most of our kids, you know, they don't want to eat; they want to dance. So um, <laughs> not here to eat. Yeah, I think for me, that's a really big thing: is that it's free yeah. and. I mean, I didn't carry around two bucks in my pocket when I was 15. Mm. And if I did, I, you know, was probably going to make I would have already had a Slurpee at yeah, that point. Yeah, exactly. It would unnecessary. I think, I think to, you, know, if, uh, you know, there's that whole argument about having ownership over the, that class. But I feel for the, for the people that we work with, they, they own it by rocking up. And it's not easy for some people to access our classes. So just the fact that they get there on their own, because yeah. they pretty much all get there on their own. There's no parents picking them up and yeah. dropping them off. Or- and how long do they, like, do they stick around for? So are people who come to your classes, have they been there for a few years or a few months or? 
Yeah, so I think that's one of the really exciting parts of L2R and it's something that we're really sort of tapping into now and discovering is that, yeah, they do, they stick around. There's a whole group of um, people that we're young, they're not young kids anymore because they're like 20, um, that have been with the program or the organisation for mm, eight years. And, you know, that's that's amazing. So mm. they started off in prep, some of these guys, and um, there's a group of boys um, specifically um, that are kind of like my little my little kids at some point. You know, they've been amazing to work with, but gee whiz, <laughs> they've, helped, they've made me have some grey hairs, but I, I do love them to death. Um, but, yeah, so they've, you know, gone into the programs and then they've gone into the Igniting Legends program, you know, and um, now I think a few of them are, well, they're just about to do sort of O-Week and stuff at VU in um, social and youth work, which is so, so cool. Yeah, that's you know? awesome. That's very exciting. Mm. So do you think that doing this dance stuff has helped to make people kind of better humans, like more compassionate and more giving? I mean, because that's sort of for me um, mm. just a curiosity I had about doing something that's so collective and about kind of sharing that spirit. Yep. Totally. Yeah, I do. I think um, uh, I, I'll, I'll use an example of this is um, one of the young girls, I won't name names, but um, – Let's call her Mary. Yeah, Mary. Meza. <laughs> Meza. <laughs> um, she, was in, she was in this program and a, another young girl came in and, and Mary ran up and gave her a big hug and I was like, wow, how do you guys know each other? Mary turned around and goes, oh, I, I don't. I'm just welcoming her, welcome, welcoming her to El Toir. And I was like, oh, that was so cool. You know, That's just like awesome. two young 14-year-olds just you know, having a cuddle, yeah, <laughs> and I was yeah. like, "Oh, that is really cute." <laughs> Do you have like a like a code of conduct, or like a kind of not? not I, I mean that in like a less formal way, like a way of doing things as like about that kind of stuff. Um, for me, for me, it's really been and uh, like we have code of conducts. I mean, different levels of the organisation have different sort of ones, but in terms of the the classes for the young yeah, people, yeah. it's respect. Yeah. And it's respect. I think if you just have respect, it covers so many things. So it's respect for self and respect for others and everyone who's in that space. And it, I've only ever had it challenged once in sort of 12 years and then that kid actually got onto Facebook that night and apologised to me. And so it's really, for me, has worked. And I actually, I don't know why I said different cross levels because I think all humans should have respect. For sure. I guess that at the board level it's a bit more. Now, nah, uh, thank thank you for drawing out my question perfectly because that's really what I was asking is um, like is there a, a way of thinking around um, or yeah. behaviorally or respect? Yeah, respect. Absolutely, yeah. respect, and um, it's it's demonstrated all the time. You know, I've we've really haven't had many issues with behavior with the young people because they're so happy to be there. You know, like they're really great grateful and just psyched to be able to dance and 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 essentially be with their mates because they've you know they've made some really good friends and they've had a banana and they've just finished school they're going to dance for two hours and then they'll you know go back to whatever they got to do at home so it sounds like um everything's pretty peachy what are your biggest <laughs> challenges well, it sounds uh, wonderful yeah, at the moment right. as an outsider. <laughs> what are your kind of big challenges at the moment or the things that are kind of keeping you um on your toes um, well, the young people always keep us on our toes and that, I think that's one of the really amazing things of L2R because they're all such different people. Um, so 
really making sure we tap into each and every individual's needs. Does that make it hard to sort of run a program that's sort of across the board because everyone's so different? Like do you have to tailor it a lot? Not really because our teaching us all really amazing and really good at what they do and um, we have emerging artists supporting the, the main teacher so we always have, you know, more than one sort of leader in the room so we're able to sort of be flexible in that space which I think is really important when working with the young people that we do um you know we've got a new strategic plan coming out which is for me um an opportunity and a challenge Mm -hmm. um you know that's a new space for me um so operationalizing that which is really cool um you know, we're currently seeking a chair, which I'll, you know, that's that's a challenge. Cause we, we're, are we putting that out there? We're putting officially? that out there. Hello, humans of purpose people. <laughs> we probably have some pretty high quality uh, <laughs> potential candidates out there. We need you. This is the sales pitch and a general, it, it's an episode, but also a pitch within an episode. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm no shame here. Um uh, so, so Harriet stepped back as chair, was that No, she, oh, she wasn't? she's secretary. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, so we we don't have a chair, so everyone's sort of stepping up, and yeah. Just, but you've got a really impressive group of people on that we board do, already. Yeah. So I would um, so many legends. I was reading about your the group you've got there, and just sort of thinking these are some talented, wonderful, mm. amazing people. And mm. I mean, even just to work with you and Harriet, I think would be a dream for any potential chair. So um, heavily plug that. <laughs> Maybe you. what we'll do, and you. Maybe by the time this airs, you already have a chair. But if <laughs> be good. if you don't, by the time this airs, we'll put a link in the show notes okay. as well to that. Yeah, position. cool. Yeah, cool. Um, and oh, you know, a bit you know, working in a not for profit funding is always a is yeah. a um, do you get government funding challenge minimal. minimal I think it's eight yeah. percent or something like yeah. that. And there's a sort of arts and culture kind of stuff, or um, well, we're lucky that we can really cross sectors. Yeah. You know, um, education. Uh, we could, mm-hmm. yeah, um, and you know, social inclusion, arts and culture, yeah. poverty and disadvantage, or whatever Refugee that sort of migrant populations. Yeah, as well. yeah, yeah. So we are lucky in that sense that we can, you know, depending on what the program or the project is, we can, you know, tap into those different sectors, which is really great. And um, you know, I think another challenge for us is that we are a small arts org with only three part-time employees. Um, so you know, resources and. A challenge that has been is that, you know, we all work part-time, so I tend to step on everyone's toes and do things that I shouldn't. And so, just, you know, really working out some of those systems systems and processes as we sort of grow as a collective of the three part-time staff is not necessarily a challenge, but, you know, we're just working through it and, and, and you know, growing and developing as an organisation, which is really cool because, um it used to just all be up in my head and I recently, well, 18 months ago, went on maternity leave and was forced to download a lot and that's really strengthened Altoir Beyond and, it's like, it's be- it was actually the best thing. <laughs> it was it's a blessing awesome. in disguise, really, yeah. That's awesome. So what what are you thinking in terms of your vision of L2R over the next few years? I don't want to preempt the strategic plan or anything that you plan mm. to sort of say later, but do you have a kind of idea of where you'd like to be at or what you'd like to do? Um. Look, I I think um, oh, that's a, that is a big one. And speak as generally as you like. I mean, yeah. I just get a grasp of the kind of. Uh, look, I would, you know, I mean, the ultimate dream is for L to have its own space, really. Um, 
you know, we're, we're currently based at Footscray Community Arts Centre, which is amazing, a vibrant, you know, arts hub. But, um, yeah, it would be cool to have our own dance space with a dance um, dance studio and a kitchen and, you know, a homework room and all that sort of stuff. And um, so that's definitely sort of an ultimate dream. Um, you know, to, to be able to work in different beyond the west i think would be cool um <clears throat> we also have a really cool team of emerging artists i think there's nine of them and um they're all really brilliant and we recently did a um a creative de- development called kith which was part of due west arts festival and that was the first time we'd really done a creative and artistic development um and it was really amazing so i think a dream for, for me and the org is to explore that and what does that look like? And, you know, is that something that we can tour? Um, what opportunities does that creative development pose for not just l but the young people that are part of it? Because yeah. they're so talented. Yeah. That is really exciting. Yeah. Incredibly exciting. <laughs> so, I mean, three part-timers, I mean, you are a, a very, I think, like um, someone who's really in it probably all the time. So what I want to know <laughs> is how do you pull back and kind of look after yourself and make sure that you're kind of um, in balance and, and, and not, not redlining it too much? Um, well, now I have Wednesdays off. Mm-hmm. Um, I must say, I, I, yeah, last year was pretty hectic because I didn't really have childcare, so I was just working at all times and spaces. But I think um, now trying to really dedicate that Wednesday off, um, you know, I might check my emails, a few cheeky emails in the morning, but then I'm a mum, you know, for that that day. Um, you know, having a baby's really put work and, and life and balance into perspective, so I think it has been a bit of a blessing for me because I really was embedded in Altoa, so it's allowed me to reassess um which has been really great because <laughs> otherwise you know you hear a founder ceo is burning out and, oh yeah or getting a bit much so i'm very wary of that um yeah so um you know as l grows i'm able to delegate and and get people to help me you know which people want to do but it's just being able to have the time and the resources and the capacity to be able to you know, put in those systems and processes so that I can walk away and um, have some time off and, you know, have a holiday, which I will oh, yeah. soon well, in Bali. Woo-hoo. Wow, very yeah. nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, when you go away, do you sort of look for dancing opportunities and see where you can immerse yourself? No, I don't. I, I must <laughs> say I'm not I'm not that per- – I mean, probably if I was, you know, I'm, I'm getting a little bit older. I mean, I still love to dance, but, um, yeah, I th- yeah. Not this holiday for sure. I'll probably do lots of yoga. So do you I, still dance regularly? I, well, no, I don't train. Yep. Um, I just don't have the time anymore. I still teach yep. um, and I wish I trained and I was supposed to go to a class on Saturday but I'm, I'm not going to do that anymore. You know, mm. it's, it's, just, it's a time thing, you know, and I think that's why it was so important for me to have an amazing team of dancers around me because I'm no longer immersed in that hip-hop training. Like I'm, I'm not there throwing my legs over my head. And so it was really important for me to have a cool team that are able to <clears throat> share new knowledge because, you know, if I've been working with a kid for eight years, I feel like I've given them what I can. You know, I've handed them the knowledge that I had so then they need to be able to grow and learn from other people. So I do dance. I'd still do the show. I'm up the back corner. 
<laughs> clapping loudly and cheering for myself. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm not immersed in the dance scene. Awesome. Yeah. So what do you um, read on like Are you a reader? Are you an audio book or podcast listener? I'm curious what kind of gives you your, your thinking and reflection pieces. Oh, Mike, I'm, I would love to read more. Um, but, it's yeah, it's definitely something that I – I should really get back into because I I, I haven't done a lot of reading. Um, I, I've sort of been really trying to get out to more conferences and and sort of net, not networking events, but you know, it's like, a dirty word, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, mm, yeah. But no, but places and spaces where I can learn and yeah. learn from people and learn from keynotes or talkers and 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 um, yeah. So so reading is not a high priority for me at the moment with an 18 month year old. I tend to get to bed and pass out, but, um, <laughs> yeah, I, it's definitely, it's in, it's in my bubble of things to do. So well, I'm yeah. honored that you put some time into humans of purpose. So thank you for that. <laughs> you did preempt another question that I had was actually, um, sort of about, you know, um, spending time learning from other sector leaders and, mm. you know, um, whether your networks are strong. I'm like, do you spend much time with other kind of not-for-profit, um, board members, CEOs, philanthropy leaders, you know, government people. Is that kind of more of a priority now for you? Um, yeah, I guess. I mean, um, I've been really lucky to have amazing, I mean, they're sort of mentors. Um, yeah, they've been mentors in the sense like maybe not, you know, hasn't been identified as you are my mentor, but I've had a really amazing people around me that have really helped um, me get to, to on this, you know, sort of, forever going journey but um yeah I've been really grateful to have some especially women around me which has been really super cool and really helped especially um probably in those early years and, and believe, so you got mentors. believed 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 in me we do mm. have mentors you sort of saying from your board or more generally or both um, outside the board also. Outside the board, yeah. yeah, and and in foundations and stuff as yeah. well that are, you know, funding me now um, but really, you know, um, had huge faith in what I was doing. Kirsty Allen from the Sydney Maya Fund, amazing woman, and um, Stephanie Exton who really helped set L2R up um, in, in those early days as a charity and really helped me, you know, <laughs> like nut out in my what was in my head and I remember getting Steph around and I know I've got this great pathways program but I don't know what it is <laughs> and just sitting down with me for like two hours and trying to work out this sort of pitch doc and because sometimes I didn't have any staff I had no one to bounce those things yeah, off you know yeah. the board was small um so yeah it's been I've been really lucky to have people around me um like that and you know the board is really amazing now and has grown a lot especially in the last two years and and you know I definitely download and they to them and they all have amazing skills in different places and spaces which I can tap into because um, I don't have those skills. <laughs> well, you seem like the kind of person who would um, be quite good at knowing how to ask for what they need as well and not being too shy about that. And I think that's a really admirable skill. Is that right? Yeah, I do. I do believe that that's, a, that's one of my strengths is that I, I definitely try not to know that, think that I know everything and ask for help. And, um, you know, I'm pretty good at um, trying to raise money as well, you know, I I, I enjoy that part you, you, of you pitch hard. 
<laughs> you go hard to the paint, as they say in basketball. Yeah, I, yeah, I think you're, you're really good. How you just get sort of get it, get in there. You make the pitch. You're aggressive about it. But I love it. I think it's really high energy. I just try to be real. You yeah. know, I don't want to fart around yeah. because um, I mean, someone either likes me and the organisation, or the organisation and me and what we're doing, or they don't. You know, and I think the the the, the most amazing thing about Altuar is that it's really vibrant and really engaging. So once you understand just a little bit about Altuar, people want to know more, and then they meet the young people and. They're like, oh, boom, this is cool because the young people are far more exciting than, than what I am. So, yeah, it's it's actually an easy sell. It's awesome. Hey, listen, who, who do you think um, you'd like to hear uh, from on Humans of Purpose as like a, their own story and, you know, future potential guests? Throw a few at me. Um, well, I, I was actually going to text someone on the way over and that's Robin Goenda who's the, um, the new uh, – Oh, she was a general manager. Now she is the um, – oh, no, she's going to go with <laughs> So they've just had a bit of a structure at yeah. Footscray Community Arts Centre. There's an AD and a – she's not the CEO. Oh, goodness. Anyway, Robin Gawenda, um, I think she's had a really great journey in the arts and, and she was on the board. Um, she was our chair for a, an acting chair – no, vice chair, sorry, for some time at El Tuar and – actually was a bit of a mentor to me, even though she's a lot younger. She's an incredible um, woman. So I think she'd be cool, very intelligent. Yeah, awesome. Um, who else? Um, yeah. Oh, I'll have another thing. Yeah. Have a think. You can come back to me offline. Cool. Yep. I would love to end just by asking you about if there, if you, if you have like a kind of a quote or expression that you sort of try and live by or if you have some kind of uh, mm. philosophical uh, compass that you use to kind of help you each day. Um, well, if if I get a challenge thrown at, thrown at me, I generally try and do it and I feel really guilty if I don't. So I, I think, you know, um, you always learn from your mistakes and I do a lot of them. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I look, and, you know, and that's in dance and business and everything. So take on challenges, um, even if they scare the shit out of you. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, I work with some pretty cool, inspiring young people that are scared shitless daily, so I take their courage and, and try to run with that. So. Soak up the yeah. courage. Yeah. <laughs> what an awesome way to end. Thank you so much for dropping in. Thank you. Um, how can people sort of connect with you and learn more about your work? Um, well, it's all about Altoir. So I think Instagram's a good way. There's lots of amazing pics and stories and all that sort of stuff. So Altoir, Altoir underscore dance um, and or just the website, altoir.org.au. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you can shoot me an email that way or LinkedIn. Don't, not a huge LinkedIn fan, but yep. you can find me that way too. Thank you. Yeah. No yeah. worries. Awesome. Thanks for coming. Thanks, Mike. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit the subscribe button in your podcast player or the link in today's episode notes. Why not share the podcast with your networks? After all, 62% of our subscribers come from word of mouth recommendations and social shares. You could also leave us a five-star review and some kind words in the iTunes store. If you love what we do each week and want to support the show, you should join our growing community of Patreon supporters or consider becoming a show sponsor. To learn more about all of that, just head to humansofpurpose.com.